Amen, amen. Well, what's up, Everlast? We doing good? Are we doing good tonight? How about that worship? Can we just give it up for worship? So good. Uh, well, my name is Tina, and I'm the young adult coordinator here, and uh, I'm also married to Kevin, who is our young adult pastor, and tonight we are continuing in our series B. So uh, if you are joining us for the first time tonight, uh, in this series, we have been going through scriptures and different commands that contain the word B. So the very first, B, uh, very first week, uh, we taught out of Proverbs 24, 19, which talks about envy. Do not be envious. Last week, Kevin taught on be kind, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so tonight, we are continuing in our series B with 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15. So if you ever have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn there. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back that some of our leaders and volunteers uh, would be more than happy to get to you. So uh, let's pray as you're turning there, and then we'll dive in. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we, uh, Father, we come before you now. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, I pray for each person in the room. Um, Lord, just for a heart of uh, expectation tonight. Lord, I pray for each person in the room just for a heart of transformation tonight. Um, Lord, I just pray for those in the room who, uh, yeah, may have had just a really long day or for those in the room who are just feeling kind of apathetic tonight. Um, Lord, who maybe you're just feeling like they're kind of going through the motions. God, I pray that you would break through tonight. God, I pray that you would just remove any uh, distractions, any stiffness. Lord, anything that's going to hinder us from hearing your word tonight, God, we're asking that you would remove it. Lord, help us be attentive uh, to what you have to say to us tonight through your word. Father, we need you, we love you, and we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, every week uh, here we, uh, at CWC, we have our weekly staff meeting. And I love our church because when you think about a staff meeting, you typically think about duty, like things that need to be addressed, things that need to get done during a staff meeting. But what I love about our church's staff meetings is it's quite the opposite. Uh, our staff meetings consist of we start off in prayer, we then worship Jesus through song, and then the rest of the time we give praise reports. That, that, that is our staff meeting. Uh, we give praise reports for all that God has done in and through our lives, all that he has done through this week, all that he has done uh, in our ministries. And can I just say quickly Kevin and I brag on God uh, for you guys often uh, in the staff meetings. Uh, to be honest, I'm sure that some of the other staff members are like, okay, we're tired of hearing about Everlast. But you guys are awesome. Like, we really do uh, love you guys and uh, are so thankful for this ministry. And so, uh, anyways, that was just a side note. We love you. Okay, and so a few weeks ago, we were in our staff meeting, and Pastor Al shared uh, about a call that he had received from his grandson, who called him and was struggling with hope. His grandson is in the Army, 
and lately has just seen a lot of things that have been really difficult. Um, death, heartache, uh, a bunch of different things, and he was struggling with hopelessness. He, he was struggling with doubt. And so what does he do? He calls his grandpa, Pastor Al. And Pastor Al, Pastor Al, as his grandson is sharing all of this over the phone, Pastor Al empathizes with him, uh, listens to him, and then begins to share with him the hope that he has in Jesus. And ends up leading his grandson to Christ over the phone. And Pastor Al then looked at us and said, man, I praise God for that moment. And then, he look, and then right after that, he looked at all of us and said, staff, we have to be ready. Everlast, we have to be ready. 1 Peter 3.15.5 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, Everlast, we live in a culture and in a world today that is full of hopelessness. In fact, hopelessness and depression is on the rise in our world today. The CDC has a report of youth ranging from 9th through 12th grade from 2009 and then 2019. And when asking of having persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, that number has jumped from 2009 to 20, from 26% to 2019, which is now 36.7%. This report also showed during the 12 months before the survey, 44.2 experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness. That is, had ever felt so sad or hopeless almost every day for two weeks or more in a row that they stopped doing their usual activities. Also, during the 12 months before the survey, 19.9 of students had seriously considered attempting suicide and 9% had attempted suicide. Everlast, did you know every time I go to the doctor, do you know what they ask me? It's the same question every time. Before they even ask me what my symptoms are, uh, or how I'm physically doing, or what I'm even in for, they ask me, hey, have you had any thoughts of depression, feeling sad, down or gloomy in the last few weeks? Every time. Now, now why do you think they ask that? They ask that because Everlast hopelessness is prevalent in this day and age, and people need hope. In this passage of scripture, Peter is writing to a persecuted minority of believers in Jesus, and he tells them, be ready when people ask you for the hope that you have. Be, be ready to explain it. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but that means Peter is writing this verse out of an assumption that the believers he is writing to have hope. He says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. He is under the assumption that hope is happening. Everlast, in order for someone to ask you, do you have hope? You have to exhibit hope, right? You have to live your life in such a way that would prompt someone to ask you and ask the question, hey, what is the hope that is in you? First point, if you're taking notes, which it's a question, but a question we need to ask ourselves is do I exhibit hope? 
Everlast, do you exhibit hope? Another great question that might help answer that question is, when is the last time someone asked you about your hope? And what's interesting about this passage is it doesn't say they will ask you about your faith or ask you about your doctrine or even ask you about your good conduct, the the good things that you've done. They might ask you about those things, and yes, that's a good thing for them to ask, but Peter is specifying here and expecting them to ask about your hope. Do you exhibit hope? And in order to answer that question, we have to know what hope is. So here's what hope is. Hope is a confident expectation of good in the future. That, that's what hope is. Hope is not just some wishful thinking like, I sure hope that so-and-so talks to me tonight. I, I sure hope that I get a good parking spot. Right? That, 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 that is not hope. Instead, the hope that Peter is referring to here is a confident expectation of, I know good is coming. It is a certainty, assurance, a reliability of, I can be for sure that good is coming. So, so what is that good that Peter is talking about here? Well, 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our confident expectation of, I know good is coming, is based on a past action of what Christ has done for us. That the living hope that we have for for those who are believers in Christ is through the resurrection of Christ. That, That Jesus who lived a perfect life here on earth, without sin, pure, blameless before the Father, willingly sacrificed his own life for you and me by means of the cross where he took on the wrath of God that was poured out on him, died a death we deserved, yet instead he died in our place and then he rose again conquering sin and death. Everlast, the reason we have a living hope is not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. That that's why 1 Peter 1.13 says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For believers, the good, that the thing that we can be certain about, that the thing that we can have full confidence in, that that we can have full hope in, not some wishful thinking of, man, I really hope it happens, but instead of, no, I know it will happen, good will come in the end is when we are setting our hope in Jesus who was resurrected and made a way for us. Listen, for our own resurrection one day, that this living hope everlasts, that we can have certainty that there is life beyond the grave. Everlast, the reason we have hope is because of Jesus. I love how one author put it. He said, hope is a heartfelt, joyful conviction that our short-term future is governed by an all-caring God. And our long-term future beyond death will be happy beyond imagination in the presence of the all-satisfying glory of God. For believers in Christ, good will come in the end because our hope is not predicated on earthly things, but on the life, death, resurrection, and the revelation of Christ. It's this unshakable hope, one we can confidently stand in. 
Everlast, do you exhibit that kind of hope? That, that when others look at your life, they see someone who displays a hope that is fully set on Christ. It's a good question to ask because Everlast, if we aren't setting our hope fully in him, it means that we are setting our hope on something else. We are setting our hope on earthly things or desires that are temporal or may never happen. And yet so uh, many of us set our hopes uh, in these unreliable things, that those things that are not promised or guaranteed. And when those things don't work out or go the way we planned or hoped for, we're left devastated. I was listening to a podcast by Ben Stewart. He's a phenomenal teacher and pastor. And he was speaking on hope. And he shared this story that I think is just so applicable to this topic of are we putting our hope in, in other things other than Christ? And he was sharing this story from an interview that was happening between a guy by the name of Jim Collins and a guy by the name of Jim Stockdale. So I went and looked up this article, and I read the conversation between these two men, and this is what it read. Jim Stockdale was an admiral and was the highest-ranking military officer in Hanoi Hilton prisoner of war camp during the height of the Vietnam War. He was tortured over 20 times during his eight-year imprisonment, and Stockdale lived out the war without any prisoner's rights, no set release date, and no certainty as to whether he would even survive to see his family again. So Jim Collins, during the interview, asked him, how did you survive? How did you not sink into despair as you were in that just like wretched place? And he told them, I had an unshakable confidence that good was going to come to me in the end. Then Jim Collins then asked him, well, well, who didn't make it? And he said, easy, the optimist. And he said, the optimist? And he said, yeah, the guys who didn't make it were the ones putting their hope on when they would get released. They were the guys who were saying, surely we'll get out by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and they were still prisoners of war. Okay, well, surely we'll get out by Easter. And then Easter would come, and they were still prisoners of war. And then Thanksgiving would come, and Christmas would come, and I quote, this is what he says, and they died of a broken heart. You see, these men kept putting their hope in things that gave way, and when those things gave way, they gave way. Everlast, when we put our hope in things that aren't certain and things, and those things don't come to pass, it leads us to hopelessness. Now, is it, de- is it bad to desire things? No. Is it bad to want good gifts that God gives? No. But we need to do a serious heart exam of, am I wanting the gift over the giver? Am I putting my hope in things that are unsteady and shaky. When we have the mindset of, I just need a bill, a clean bill of health. I just need a boyfriend. I just need a job. I just need, I just need. And when these things are delayed or do not come to pass, we become angry, doubtful, uh, hopeless, because instead of setting our hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ, we are setting our hope in other things that are not guaranteed. Peter is saying, set your mind, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ.
that there is a certainty, a confidence that no matter, no matter what this life may bring us, we can be assured, confident, and hopeful that in the end, good will come. Because in the end, we get Jesus. It's this eternity mindset that God instructs us to think about and meditate on. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Set, set your mind and hope on the promised inheritance that awaits for those who are believers. Uh, Philippians 3.20 says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everlast, what are you putting your hope in? The things of this earth or the thing that matters most, which is Jesus himself? Do, do you exhibit hope in Christ? Meaning, again, do you live your life in such a way that others are prompted to ask the question, what is the hope that is in you? Going back to our text, uh, Peter, as we mentioned earlier, is writing to believers who are being persecuted. Right? They are suffering for the sake of the gospel. They are suffering for what they believe in. And 1 Peter 3.14, just the verse right above uh, before says this, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And what I also love about this verse is that Peter is assuming they have hope even in the midst of some deep suffering, even in the midst of hard persecution. Everlast, you see, it is, it is easy to exhibit hope in Christ when things are going our way. It's easy to exhibit hope in Christ when our circumstances and seasons of life is like 74 degree perfect kind of weather. But think about when your circumstance and season of life is not 74 degree weather, but more like negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit kind of weather. What does your, what does your hope look like when you're in the middle of hardships and trials and deep suffering and adversity? Do, do you still exhibit the kind of hope in Christ in the midst of those seasons of life. Uh, this past weekend, I was with one of our church volunteers. Her name is Sarah. She is 75, about to have a birthday, so she'll be 76. And she is just like as sweet as can be. Um, and I know we aren't supposed to have favorites, but I'm saying this through the mic and it's recorded. She is one of my favorites. And she serves all four services every single weekend. And she just loves people really well. In fact, she comes by the Life Center every weekend to give me just a big hug and, and looks me in the face and, say, and asks how I'm doing. And it's not out of repetition. It's not because she feels obligated. It's because she genuinely, like, cares and wants to know how I'm doing. Um, she just, I love her. I love her. Without getting too sappy up here, she's amazing. So this past weekend, she shows up to church. And just like she normally does, but this Saturday night in particular, so three days ago, her husband, who's been having some health issues uh, for, a while now, for a while now, died Saturday morning. So Sarah shows up to church Saturday night on the same day that her husband just died. And I remember thinking when I first heard the news, I was just like brokenhearted for her. Like, it really did make me grieve for her loss of, like, wow, I can't imagine, like, what it would be like to lose a husband. 
And then my next thought is, how is she here? Like, I was shocked. Because I, if I put myself in her shoes, I was like, I don't know that I could show up to church and attend the service and see people all the while knowing my husband is no longer here. So I called Sarah yesterday. She said I could share all of this, by the way. I got permission. And I asked her how she was doing. And, uh, and then I prayed for her. And then I said, Sarah, the only way you could have come to church like that I can like process after losing your husband is because of the hope you have in Jesus. And her response was, yes and amen. And by the way, collect my emotions here. And by the way, Saturday night, she brought her stepson, who was her husband's biological son, who does not know Jesus, brought him to church that night so he would hear the gospel, and then she shows up Sunday morning just so she could worship Jesus. That is someone who exhibits hope in Christ. So Sarah is someone who exhibits hope in Jesus, not just in the good seasons, but in the really hard ones as well. Again, it's easy to hope in someone when uh, it's, easy to, it's easy to see hope in someone when everything's going well for them. But when suffering comes and you still have hope, that that's when people's heads turn. That that's when people think, how? Why do they have hope in the midst of what they're walking through? Which means, everlast, the Lord will allow you to go through hardships and trials for the sole purpose that when others see your suffering, and the hardships that you're walking through, they will ask, what is the hope that you have? Everlast, our hope is seen most clearly when we suffer. Our hope is seen most clearly when we suffer. Because the normal, worldly response to suffering is hopelessness. So when you go through suffering and you are living your life in such a way that still declares that you have hope and know that good will come to end, people will have to ask you, why do you have hope? I love how one author put it. He said, the Christian life gives the impression to others uh, that we are not hoping in what they are hoping in. Security, comfort, approval, wealth, etc." For they do not know where our fearlessness and our joy and affliction are coming from, but they assume we have a hope different from theirs. Everlast, God wants to use your affliction and suffering and persecution and trials and hardships. He wants to use those things for others to come to know the hope that we have in him. But that means we have to exhibit hope. We have to not just know it, but believe it, where our lives are transformed by it. And, and we are completely different than those of the world. Now, something to note here, hope is not directly visible, right? It's not something that I can directly see. Hope is something that is going down in the heart, right? It is a heartfelt conviction. God can see the heart directly, but, but people can't. And so in order for someone to ask, hey, what is the hope that you have? It's that individual has to look at you in the midst of suffering and see fearlessness. It's that that individual is watching you and in the midst of your adversity, your actions and demeanor respond in a way that is different. Everlast, we have the opportunity in the midst of our suffering to reflect the hope that we have in Jesus. 
That's why Peter says, even if, even if you should suffer for Jesus, don't fear, don't be troubled, be ready. Second point, if you're taking notes, is are you ready? Are you ready to explain your hope? When Peter says, always be ready to give a defense, Peter is saying, be ready to give a reason. Uh, be, be ready to explain your faith. That word defense in the Greek means to give a reasoned statement or an answer. Everlast, are you ready? If someone were to ask you about the hope that is in you, would you, would you be ready to give them an answer? Uh, right out of college, I got a job working for a company that I would say, if, if I had to guess, consisted of about 98% of its employees who were non-believers. And so I worked on a floor that was a, a training floor. So basically every two weeks, I would get new employees, and I was responsible for training them up and helping them make their first sale. And every time I got a new crew, we would sit down as a team, go over protocol, go over what the first day looked like. We would do introductions. And then I would always share a little bit about me. And uh, I would give them a few things. And then I would say, my hobbies include serving and volunteering with students at my church. And I purposely mentioned that for the fact that God would maybe use that to start a conversation at some point or eventually. And I remember there was this one girl who sat right beside me and we started talking one day during one of our breaks. And she started sharing with me about all the different religions she had tried out. And some of them were more like cults. Um, like some like super things she was sharing. I was like, that's terrifying. And she looked at me and said, why Christianity? Well, why do you believe what you believe? And I remember in that moment, like excited and then like panicked. I was 22 at the time, and so a little over 10 years ago, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I've waited for this moment, and I finally have the opportunity, and I'm freaking out. Y'all, I, I completely blanked, like cat got my tongue. Huge moment here, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. Praise God, the Lord, I had a really good friend, the other like 1% of us that were believers, who overheard the conversation. He just happened to be nearby. He wasn't even in, he didn't even work in that section of the floor, but he was literally around and, and uh, he was like, I can tell you why we have hope in Jesus. And then he shared the gospel with her. And I remember it was such a humbling moment for me. I remember feeling embarrassed. I remember feeling bummed because I wanted to be the one to share the gospel with her. But it was a moment for me that the Lord was teaching me, Christina, you have to be ready. And you better bet that next day I had my testimony ready to go, right? I wasn't going to miss out on another opportunity to share the gospel. And honestly, the Lord in his kindness provided me so many opportunities to, to share my hope for Christ uh, the remainder of my time uh, there. Everlast, if someone were to ask you tonight, what's the reason for your hope, could you answer it? And listen, this isn't to make you feel shame or feel like you're a failure, no. But the point of questions uh, like this, like, when is the last time I even shared the gospel? That's a great question. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? 
Am I ready right now to give a reason for the hope that I have in Jesus? The, the, the purpose in those questions is for you to examine where you are at when it comes to readiness. The truth of the matter is, Everlast, a believer should always, don't miss this, a believer should always be ready to tell others about the good news of salvation in Jesus' death and resurrection. It should be something that is second nature. Everlast, if you're a believer in the room, gospel conversation should be a normal thing for you. You shouldn't have to really think about and wonder, man, when is the last time I shared the gospel? When is the last time I had a gospel conversation? Gospel conversation should be something that is a normal and continual thing for you. And Everlast, if Jesus isn't regularly on your lips, there's a reason. And that reason could be, and most likely is that Jesus is not supreme over your life. Meaning that there are other things that are pulling at your heartstrings instead of Jesus. What we need as believers in Christ is for Jesus to be most treasured in us, most valued in us, most prized in us. And until Jesus is everything for you, there is going to be this reluctancy to share who he is. There's a well-known pastor who years ago tweeted this question, and it was this. Why are Christians negligent, hesitant, reluctant, and even resistant to share the gospel? What is the reason for that? And then another pastor tweeted back at him and said this. Because we are not truly, madly, and deeply besotted with Jesus. That word besotted means infatuated with, captivated with, intoxicated with, obsessed with. That the reason we are reluctant to share is because Jesus hasn't loomed large in our heart. And when you are completely and madly in love with Jesus, obsessed with Jesus, you can't help but to talk about him. Think about when you get excited about things, right? A new movie that you've been dying to see finally comes out, right? Or you're in a new relationship. Or you just got engaged. What do you do? You talk about it. Why? Because you're excited about it. And if Jesus, the Lord of hosts, the Son of God, our Savior, who saved us from the very pit of hell, who loves us with an unchanging and steadfast love, that that Jesus, if he is Lord over your life, then you can't help but allowing his name to continually come off your lips. If we, are, if we are to be ready to share the hope we have in Christ, the word of God should be something we are continually saturated in and continually speaking about. Everlast, if we are to be ready to give an account of the hope we have in Jesus, it should be something that is already on our lips. That's why the beginning of 1 Peter 3.15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Meaning that Christ is to be set apart in your heart. That means that the reason that gospel conversations are continually happening in my life is because Jesus is at the center of my life. And in order for that to take place, for Jesus to be at the center of our hearts, we have to make some sacrifices here. And maybe for you, that means less TV. Maybe for you, that means less of what other people think about you. Maybe for you, that means less social media. Maybe that for you, that means less dating apps or less anything that is keeping Jesus from taking his rightful place in my heart. 
Everlast, when Jesus is at the center of our lives, when our hope is fully set on him, we are then ready and prepared to give an account of the hope that we have in him. We are to live our lives in a way that demands a gospel explanation. Meaning what? Peter is saying, what Peter is saying is that your life will create a question and then you will respond with speaking the gospel. Your life should demand a gospel explanation. That there has to be a point where you have to talk about the gospel. And we have to be ready to speak. There's a a popular phrase that says, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. And I've heard this phrase often, and it's not a bad phrase. I think the intentions of this phrase is that we should be preaching the gospel not just with our words, but our actions. Right? Peter clearly says this. You should be living your life with such hope that people have to ask you about that hope, right? But this phrase I've seen people use with the wrong intentions, meaning preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I've seen people take this phrase to mean, if only necessary, I will share the gospel. Meaning, if I don't have to use words, I won't. And Everlast, that is the opposite of what Peter is saying in this passage of Scripture. Always be ready. Always be prepared for anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. He's talking about speaking here, giving it an account, a reason, and an answer for your hope. Right? We're not just going to sit there and then just, like, mime it out. Like, you got to use words. Right? Words are necessary. Not if necessary, They are necessary. It is very necessary to use words. That the gospel contains a message that has to use words. People have to know about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That they have to know and hear that God so loved the world that he gave his only son and that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. They have to hear the good news of Jesus. Romans 10, 17 affirms this when it says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from sharing the good news of the gospel through the word of God. Faith comes from reading the very words of God that he spoke through his word so we could read those words and come to know him. It takes words to convey the good news of Jesus. Now again, I'm not saying, obviously, that that's the whole point of this passage is, hey, your actions should reflect someone who has hope in Christ. And then because of your actions, they're going to ask, and then therefore you speak. And Peter doesn't, uh, Peter doesn't just leave it at people are going to see something different in you, right? He doesn't just leave it as people are going to see a hope that is in you. That's different there. So keep it up, right? He says, be ready for the response. Everlast, are you ready? Now, if you're sitting in the room tonight, and listen to me carefully because Maybe you're like, Tina, I am ready, but I don't know what it looks like to share my faith. I don't know what it looks like to share my testimony. Like, I'm actually a new believer. Like, we're talking just like a few days old, right? What should I do to be ready? What does that look like? Do I need to get out my computer and write down the gospel in 50 words or less? Do I need to get out my note cards and start memorizing a specific script? Everlast, if you want to know how you should prepare, how you should get ready, are there practical things like practicing your testimony or spending time in the word or practicing sharing Jesus' life and death and resurrection? Yes, those are great things to do. In fact, our church, small plug here, 
is hosting an evangelism class starting in November. It's two weeks long here at CWC to, to grow and practice sharing your faith. That, that's a great resource. If you want more info, that, info on that, come talk to me after. That, that, that would be a good thing. It's a helpful tool. But Everlast, the most important thing you should be doing, that the most important way to be ready is by setting your hope in Jesus. You can't be ready if your hope isn't fully in Christ. And, and if that's the case for you in the room tonight, a good thing for, for some of us to do tonight is to ask Jesus to help us set our hope in him. Because when we set our minds and our fullness of our hope in Christ, when people ask us about him, you know what our answer is going to be? It's going to be to talk about the hope we have in him. Right When I'm setting my hope fully on Christ and someone asks, hey, what is the hope within you? I'm able to then share my hope in Jesus because my hope is fully set in Jesus. That, that's, that is the priority thing we should be doing. When our eyes are already fixated on the hope we have in Jesus, we're going to share the hope that we have in him. Should we, be, uh, should we know his word? Yes. Practice our testimony? Yes. Read his word? Yes. Maybe even I'd encourage you, uh, read his word with other people who know how to read his word. If you're like, I don't know how to read the Bible. Get with someone who does in order to be ready to give an account. By, by all means, yes. But the most important thing is first setting your hope fully in him. And lastly, and we'll, uh, we'll close with this, going back to the text, 1 Peter 3.15, it says, And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So when that time comes and you're ready, Peter instructs us to share with meekness and fear. And it's not fear of nervousness or fear of man, right? That word is actually translated in other versions as respect. But we're to be respectful, gentle, kind-hearted with our words. Not, not abruptly or rudely or with the demeanor of trying to prove someone wrong. It's with gentleness. And, and Kevin taught on this last week, right? But kindness goes a long way. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb sweetness to the soul and health to the body. When our words are filled with gentleness and kindness and humility and respectfulness, people are more inclined to listen. So, so we do that as Peter instructs us, with gentleness. Everlast, are you ready? And, and my hope and prayer for us as we leave here tonight is not that we would be worried about, oh my gosh, I don't know that I'm ready, right? That, that's, not, that's not the hope tonight for you. The hope and prayer would be that you would be encouraged to live the kind of life that people would provoke you to ask the question, hey, what, what's the hope that you have? And my prayer for us as an Everlast ministry is that we would be a people that are constantly being asked what our hope is in. My, my prayer for us as an Everlast ministry is that we would be a people who exhibits hope in Jesus. That we would be a ministry that would live in a way that demands a gospel explanation. And when that question is provoked, when our actions demand an expl explanation, we would be ready. We would be ready to share the hope we have in Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.